0: Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. We're taking a Peapod break. And showcasing some of our past Peapods over the summer weeks in The The Peapod. If you love Petersfield. I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then The Peapod loves you.
1: It's just a nice town.
0: Everything Petersfield is in The Peapod with
2: Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey.
0: Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. This week we're bringing you a Peapod from earlier this year in February when we visited the Clanfield Observatory.
3: This amazing local facility has a lot to offer including a close look at our night sky from a number of different telescopes.
0: And living as we do in a dark skies area, there's plenty of scope... See what I did there? Like it. And opportunity to take advantage of the experience and guidance of the observatory group.
3: If you would like a little monthly tutorial of what to look out for in the petersphere dark skies, tune in to Skywatch at shineradio.uk for regular updates written by local astronomical expert and amateur astronomer Jeff Bird.
0: Don't forget, we'll be spending the summer having a peapod break, but we hope you enjoy listening to some of our favourite episodes from the last year in the petersphere.
2: The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The Peapod.
3: Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Geoff Lacey. We're gazing
0: at stars. In
3: our dark sky. In this week's Peapod. Peapod.
0: If you love Petersfield. I love the square. The hangers. The
3: open air swimming pool.
0: Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod
2: loves you.
1: It's just a nice town.
2: Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod. With Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey.
3: Welcome to the Peapod. Thank you for joining us. This week's Peapod comes from the Clanfield Observatory as we learn more about this interesting astronomical place and all it has to offer.
0: We find out about the dark skies area we live in, the history of the observatory, what you can see in the sky this time of year and more from members of the Hampshire Astronomical Group. And Susie laments on her wild walk.
2: The P stands for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such a idyllic place. The P-Pod.
3: Hello, Claire. How are you? Hi, Geoff. I'm great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We're doing something a little bit different this week. We are. We've recorded all our links inside. Mm-hmm. But because we're uh, doing all things dark skies, we've come to do our crosstalk outside.
0: I thought it was appropriate. Although... Uh, Unfortunately, it's quite a cloudy evening, so I can't see one single star, can you? No, so we're um, just
3: outside Clanfield at the Clanfield Observatory. You can see lots of streetlights, but no stars. No. Quite disappointing though, a Real
0: shame, because I imagine it must be pretty spectacular up here. Yes. When it is a clear night, and it's got a great atmosphere up here as well. A little bit spooky. A little bit spooky. A bit scared driving
3: home, but there we go. Hopefully there'll be no deer.
0: So, Claire, what's your
3: experiences around stargazing?
0: Well, I'm very lucky where I live in that just going out the back door and into the garden, sometimes on a clear night, it's absolutely breathtaking. We don't have any streetlights where we live, so it's quite, quite dark um and and it does take my breath away i love it actually so you know even if it's a freezing cold night sometimes i if i pop outside come on guys come and have a look <laughs> we'll all go run outside and look up at the sky we don't really know what we're looking at you can see some stars are brighter than others sometimes the moon is is you know a full moon or you've got a little tiny crescent moon but i don't know enough about it no. i know a, a few familiar um like Orion's Belt and things like that, that I think my mum might have mentioned when I was little, but I haven't taken it any further than that. You, Geoff, do you know a bit more about no, it? No,
3: I don't. My knowledge is minimal. Last week, in conjunction with the Dark Skies Week that's coming up on Shine Radio, we were asked to go outside and look up into the sky and record what we could see and our thoughts and feelings. I was outside with outside with my son, and I've got to say, it was 45 seconds of complete nonsense <laughs> we said uh is it a full moon looks like a full moon might not be is that the plough don't know we are clueless would you uh, like to learn more i would like to learn more I mm. let's say every year every summer we sit outside when it's a shooting star season and i tell you what <laughs> everyone else can see dozens i've yet to see one I reckon I'm blinking at the wrong time. You
0: probably are. <laughs> I didn't realise there
3: was a shooting star season. Yes, I'm sure it's August, sep- August, September. It's, um, it's about f- six or seven nights. Re- so I'll have to come to yours.
0: Yeah. We should all set up a, a nice viewing area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lots got of seats. Get your decking done, yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Some binoculars, maybe. <laughs> but,
3: yeah, no, I'm really looking, looking forward to finding out more about what goes on and what, what is out there. But... You're never going to know everything, are you?
0: No, I can't imagine you can, but it is fascinating and it slightly boggles my mind, Geoff, I'm not sure about you, but it does boggle my mind when talking about light years away and things like that, I really can't sort of grasp it. No, no,
3: I I could make my, I've got a feeling, Claire, I'm going to make myself look very silly in this recording.
0: Well, hopefully we'll learn something, Geoff. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi, please call or WhatsApp us on 01730 555 500 or email team at shineradio.uk. The Clanfield Observatory is one of the best-equipped amateur observatories in the UK and, situated in the South Downs, is well-placed being in a dark skies area.
3: To tell us more about the history of the observatory is vice-chairman of the Hampshire Astronomical Group, Steve Boswell. Hello Steve, how are you? Hi there, hello. So let's start, when did your interest in all things astronomy start?
4: Well I always say that I'm a sort of child of the space age so I was born in 54 so Sputnik um, and the Apollo program were the things that really drove my interest. Uh, I then decided that I needed to do something when I went to university and I studied astrophysics at university which was very brave of me (laughs) Um, and then thought I'd love a career in there but there weren't really that many careers in the subject. So I went into IT and just sort of did my thing for 30-odd years. Then once I took early retirement, I realised there was this observatory at the top of the hill, about a mile from my house, and came up here with my wife, and we very, very quickly became members. And how long has the observatory been here? Well, on this site, it's they first started working here in sort of i think it was about 73 but the group itself uh, was founded in 1960 and had several um, earlier incarnations in crookhorn and fort nelson but um, on one case they wanted to uh, build houses on the site so we were kicked out of that site effectively and the next one encroachment encroachment of too much light pollution forced us further and further away from the the buildings and uh, one of our members just happened upon he's had a habit of happening upon <laughs> uh, but he happened upon uh, the uh, water board site he approached the water board and just happened to get them at, just before a board meeting and so um, at the board meeting they said yes we we wouldn't mind if you you came and built a, a, a dome on our site, and it's sort of grown. The dome that we built is the large one, what's now the 24-inch dome. Uh, that was the, the first dome on the site. Um, we then subsequently added the Victorian one. One of our telescopes was a gift to the Royal Navy, and I don't think they probably knew what to do with it. We heard about it, and we offered to, uh, to refurbish it if they could find us a home for it. Um, and it just so happened that that particular dome was about to be demolished at Hurstmancer, uh, at which then was part of the, the Royal Observatory. And so we went along there. We uh, exchanged £25, I think it was, and so became the proud owners. We had to dismantle it on site and then um, bring it up here in pieces and then build the walls here with the help of the Navy. Uh, the Navy, unfortunately, got called away on some business in the South Uh, Atlantic and so we had to finish the the build itself and all of our members were volunteers so it it was just uh, a brick and also over each weekend for quite a long time Uh, but this was we were talking in the early 70s Um, we commissioned the first dome here I think it was in the early 80s I really have my crib shit somewhere but it it doesn't really matter Um, then we had a, a donation from the uh, widow of one of our members he used to have a um, telescope in his back garden with a seven inch dome um, that came uh, dome and telescope uh, again we had to dismantle it in the garden in haven't bring it here and then build it again it's interesting watching about 20 or 30 people moving a dome around manually it's quite a physical thing <laughs> to do um, we've got a couple of other domes which have arrived over there in various periods but we but then we keep uh, revisiting them so the, the dome the big dome with 24 inch had a handmade telescope in there but it became more and more difficult to maintain it so what we did was basically gave it to somebody else and bought ourselves this research grade telescope um, cost us a fair amount and we were hoping to take about five years to uh, to get the funds for it and we managed it in about two two and a half which was quite a shock to everybody. We got a few grants from local authorities and local authorities around uh, have been very generous on a number of occasions. Um, We've got another grant to help us refurbish the 16-inch dome. Um, And what we're aiming with that is to try to um, make the hobby of astronomy more accessible to more people, especially if you're disabled or something, uh, or just old and infirm. If we can bring our observing online and we haven't quite worked out what that means yet we have we have some ideas as to how we can most effectively do that but that will then uh, mean that anybody can actually feel that they are part of the observing community that we have here very specifically uh, my particular interest are the meter cameras we have cctv cameras pointing at the sky and you'd think well why well we're looking for any movement in the sky and that movement includes meteors and In an average year, we might capture about 1,500 of those. Um, We might capture about 30-odd thousand bats and lightning flashes and insects and birds and whatever. But by by collating those with other colleagues around the country, then we can actually um, do some analysis to work out where they came from. And that has been going for about 10 years now. So we started that in 2012, so we're, we're now... Looking for a new generation that's less labour intensive.
0: Steve, you very kindly gave us a little tour around when mm-hmm. we first arrived. Yes. It is a quite incredible site up here. I didn't realise you had all this equipment up here. Um, can you explain what events you also hold up here as well?
4: Um, the events we have, like this evening, we've got a, a sort of a public open evening, typically um, once a month, a sort of the Saturday and the Sunday. We've been playing catch up because um, we had a lot of people that were booked to come and then covid intervened and they were very very generous rather than ask for the money back they actually said no you hang on to it and we'll come sometime which has actually been quite interesting (laughs) trying to find time to get those people um, into the observatory and new people that want to come along as well so we've been very very busy this last season particularly Uh, we also have um, sun live so in in the summer we have solar telescopes so we can get sort of visitors viewing the sun we we can use some of the telescopes with special filters but having a a specialist solar telescope sort of out in 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 the sunshine is really quite nice and the sun is actually look it's got a few sunspots these days go back two years and it there was nothing to see Uh, but people still want to come they want to come and experience astronomy which is really amazing i suppose
3: it's the great unknown isn't it that's why people are are so interested because we don't know what we're looking at we
4: don't know what's out there Most people that come here have never been before, which is really quite a surprise. And so when you can actually get them to look through a telescope and to eyeball Jupiter, you just stand back and wait for the, oh, wow, somebody is going to say it, because it is just something that is spectacular. You can see it on TV, and yeah, NASA can give you amazing pictures, but to see it for yourself through a telescope is something pretty special.
3: And what's the most exciting thing you've seen through your telescope?
4: Oh, you you added telescope to that sentence. (laughs) My meteor cameras gave me the most exciting uh, event uh, in the last 10 years. Back in 1917 on St Patrick's Day, we had a fireball that uh, flew from the northwest and it went right down the diagonal of of, of the computer screen. So the cameras caught it and it was probably the, the best capture of that event anywhere in the country. Lots of other people saw it. There was even somebody from the BBC Sky at Night who was actually on the beach filming a, a, a programme and he was facing in the wrong direction. <laughs> oh. but, but he was able, from his experience, to look at the shadows that were cast and how sharp they were and say, well, that was at least as bright as a full moon. And it really was very, very spectacular. And the day after it hit the, the news and everybody wanted to know about it. And that can sometimes be a two-edged sword because there was one, one a few weeks ago where everyone saw something bright in the sky, and I don't really think it was that bright. We got it on our cameras, and to be honest, I've seen, I've seen better. Steve, thank you
3: very much for inviting us up here. Have a great evening, and thank you again. You're welcome. The
2: P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The P-Pod.
0: Susie has a sweet lament on her wild walk this week
2: at Chapel Common. Today's walk is at Chapel Common. I've risked coming back. Keen listeners will remember this was the place where our canine partner foster dog went completely A-roll before Christmas, just before Christmas, and this is the first time I've risked coming back. It's a sweet sadness really because he behaved immaculately and we've played ball and everything. But as you know, they're going to shut the uh, Southern training of all canine partners and so I heard yesterday that he's actually going to go up to the Midlands so um, that will be we've got two more weeks so two more wild walks um, maybe one more recording of a wild walk but anyway so that's that but earlier um, one of the sheet residents, Frank Jennings, who came to my book launch, had invited Richard and me around to his house to see his absolutely incredible box art, which, you know, here's the cross-fertilisation of Shine Radio, that he had an exhibition when we recorded a Talking Books um, podcast there, and, um, and they're just absolutely amazing. And what I love about them, they're not just beautiful, they're sort of, he makes his own boxes and he's got a bit of a thing going on about um, hermit crabs, obviously carrying their home with them, but he'll do witty things, like one of them looks a bit like Clint Eastwood, so there's a gun coming out of what looks like a poncho that's held aside, Um so that that sort of thing, but also really, really witty captions. And as someone who is entirely dreadful at captions, I can only admire it. So it's been a big week. There's um that, there's Frank, there's um I mean, the dog by that. I'm looking at you now. Um he's being really good even while I'm recording this. He's just waiting patiently for me to throw his ball. Um so that Frank obviously I'm still on a high after the book launch um and if anyone wants the book it's in One Tree Books go and demand it but the other thing is um I've just started a very temporary post at Beedales Library which is a grade one listed and I was going to do a wild walk from there and then I sort of got qualms and thought oh maybe I'm not supposed to but um You know, I think you can visit the library because it is a grade one listed arts and crafts building. There's one floorboard that runs the length of it, and it's long, that's so wide. It's probably as wide as my entire arm from shoulder right through to hand. Um, And that's just one oak. And I think, well, if you want a sense of what we now lack... Um, it would be that, but oh, it is just fabulous, so I'm feeling it's such a mix, and I guess, you know, I do try to share with you the whole the whole fabric, um, because I think all our lives are always mixed, and what comes up must go down, and what goes down must come up, so um, I hope you're in an up phase at the moment, and speak soon, have a good week.
0: Coming up, we discover more about the Clanfield Observatory's public events and bring you the latest What's On guide. First, though, Steve Broadbent is chairman of the Hampshire Astronomical
3: Group and a member of the Observatory Instrument Team, which offers training on the use of all the telescope
0: facilities here. Steve is also a fellow of the Royal Astronomical Society. Hi, Steve. Hi. We're in a dark skies area. What does that actually mean?
5: That's a good question. It means that we can see much more than you would see. For instance, uh, I live in Portsmouth, and if I look up at the night sky, I might be lucky to see a dozen stars. Here, you can see many, many more. On a good night, you can see the Milky Way. And our telescopes here enable us to see a lot of fainter objects than you would be able to do if you were in in a city centre.
3: And what can be seen in the sky? At this time of year, I know it's cloudy this evening. But if it was, if it was clear, what what would we be seeing?
5: Well, the winter sky is is one of the more spectacular parts of the year because we've got really bright constellations. Most people know the constellation of Orion, which has a lot of bright stars in it. We've got Sirius, which is the brightest star in the night sky, which is visible at this time of year. And in fact, the the winter sky is much more. Uh, exciting to see with the naked eye than, than the other skies in other parts of the year.
0: So what are the most unusual stars that can be seen in the sky?
5: Most unusual stars? Um, with a telescope or without a telescope? Ooh, a bit of both. <laughs> well, there are, I mean, there are stars which you can see which are unusual in their own right. I mean, the, the big star in the shoulder of Orion called Betelgeuse is one of the largest stars in the sky. If you were to put it where our sun is, then all the planets up until Jupiter would be inside that star, and Jupiter would be sort of skirting around the edge. It's believed to be about 900 times the size of the sun. So that's one of the spectacular stars. But, um, you know, all stars are different in their own right, so, uh,
3: you know... You mentioned galaxies. Now, I'm a complete novice. I admitted earlier that I know very little.
5: Galaxies, how do you spot a galaxy? How do you spot a galaxy? Um, Well the brightest galaxy that you can see, which is just about visible to the naked eye, if you've got good eyesight and it's a really clear night and you know exactly where to look, is the Andromeda Galaxy, which is the nearest galaxy outside of our Milky Way. And um, it is very very faint but it's very, very large in the sky. And unfortunately, we can only see the little f- fuzzy, faint spot, if we can, with our naked eyes. If we could see the whole galaxy, it's about six times the size of the full moon in the sky. And so with telescopes taking photographs, you can see the full extent of it. But this, um, the, the, the light from that galaxy, it's so far away that the light takes two and a half million years to get here. Which is... An amazing number when you think that that's what it looked like two and a half million years ago. If you want to see what it looks like now come back and ask me in two and a half million years time. I can't get my head around. I that. Can't, I
0: can't crazy, yeah. that. How long have you been studying? S-
5: S- S- studying, studying I don't yes. well I've never studied it officially <laughs> um, I've actually got a chemistry degree but um, as at the age of about nine I bought my first telescope um, with the help of my parents Um, which was a a large rickety old reflector in a a very rickety mount, but it got me hooked on it because even though I lived in London at the time, Jupiter was high in the sky and that's what inspired me to sort of do things. Um, And I started taking photographs, but of course those were in the days when you had a film camera. So I used to take the film down to the local shop to get it developed and I'd say to them, please print it all. It might not look as if there's anything on it, but print it all anyway. And sometimes they come back and say, this was no good, it was just a load of white spots. But <laughs> well, In the old days where they used to put stickers on the
3: photos, where it was a bit blurry, yes. you, you, yes. Wanted, you yes. wanted to see everything.
5: I, you know, I've been uh, keen since, since, you know, that sort of age. Constellations. Yes.
3: It's another word that's bandied around. Can you give me an entry-level introduction?
5: Yes and no. (laughs) Okay, constellations. These are artificial boundaries in the sky based on the traditions of ancient astronomers, mainly the Greeks, who saw their mythology in the sky. So you've got constellations like Andromeda, who was the daughter of Queen Cassiopeia and King Cepheus. And those three constellations are in the sky. She was rescued by... Um, Perseus, allegedly uh, on the winged horse Pegasus, although that's a bit of a Hollywood interpretation. <laughs> but all these constellations are in the star- sky. And th- the ancients must have had really good imagination to sort to, to, of to look at the sky and say, oh, that looks like... Or we'll as- annotate that to, an- you know, Princess Andromeda or whatever. But more modern uh, astronomers um, have... Formalise the boundaries of these constellations. So a constellation is like a country on Earth; it's got a definite boundary. And um, subsequent to the Greeks and the Arabs, who were the the early astronomers, um, and the Chinese, when explorers went to the south, they saw a lot more constellations, which we could never see from Europe or or Asia. So there are a lot more. There's 88 constellations altogether.
3: So if someone wanted to get into astronomy what kind of books should they be looking to start reading?
5: Um, I, I would suggest the first one would be a book with about binocular astronomy because start off with some simple star charts and a pair of binoculars and get to, your know, get to know your way around the sky. There are some very fascinating things you can see with binoculars you can see the Andromeda galaxy you can see the Orion nebula you can see different coloured stars very close together, double stars, which are, which are fascinating. But you really need to get to the... start with the basics. Start with a star chart and perhaps a pair of binoculars. Look at the star chart, find it in the binoculars, get to know your way around the sky.
0: It's absolutely fascinating talking to you, Steve. We have to ask, since we've asked everybody here, what's the most exciting thing you've seen in the
5: sky? Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> I I can tell you what inspired me. There were were two things that inspired me when I was very young into astronomy. One, would you believe it or not, was listening to Sputnik going over in 1957 or whenever it was, when I was quite young. And the other thing was the first time I saw Saturn through a telescope and the rings of Saturn. And those are two of the the things that really got me fired up to, to get my interest going. Since, of course, we've got much bigger telescopes, there are lots of other things which um, are more interesting, but they're a bit more esoteric, they're a bit more obscure, if you know what I mean.
0: And is there, is there something you haven't seen that you would like to see?
5: A solar eclipse. There was one in August 1999, which went across Cornwall. It also went across northern France, and I went with some friends to northern France, and we saw a nice crescent sun with the moon coming across, clouded out, And then we saw the crescent sun the other side of the eclipse. (laughs) And for the quarter of an hour around the eclipse, everything went dark, clouds on the sky. So I've had one chance so far and I've missed it. But that that would be be number one on my bucket list of astronomy things.
3: Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Have a lovely evening. Thank you very much. There's a lot of excitement here as preparations get underway for the public
0: evening event. Joining us now with all the know-how about what can be seen this evening and how to view the sky at night is John Tarling. Hi, John. Hello. So what can we expect this evening
6: at the open event? We're going to expect lots of cloud tonight. (laughs) We, (laughs) We normally hold these events several times a month and we're always at the mercy of the English weather. Unfortunately, tonight is cloudy. However, tonight, if it was clear, we would probably be looking at planets such as Mars and Jupiter. They're both visible, especially Mars. Um, we look at some deep sky objects, um, probably some globular clusters. we definitely try and get some nebula in and one or two galaxies as well.
3: That's gone right over my head.
6: <laughs> globular. globular.
3: Let's start with that.
6: A globular cluster. Right, a globular cluster. If you can imagine um, lots of stars, maybe a couple of hundred thousand or maybe a million or so stars, and they're all tightly packed close to each other under their own mutual gravity... So you could almost regard them as miniature galaxies. And to us, when we look at them through a telescope, they look like globular-shaped clusters of stars. Yeah, very, very densely packed together. And if you can get the right power on the telescope, you can actually start to resolve the stars. Otherwise, they tend to look like little round, smudgy patches.
3: Which is probably what we see in our gardens when we're stood outside. Stood yeah. outside.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: How deep do you look into the sky? How far do you go... In, to <laughs> well, <the>
6: right <laughs> that's a common question people ask me. They say, "How far can you see with a telescope?" And I always say, "Well, we can see the battenball Pub <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the on the, but no. Um, well, first of all, we can see most planets inside our solar system. So we're talking up to sort of like tens, hundreds of, of, of uh, millions of miles." Um, most of the more common objects are in such as nebula and globular clusters, so sort of like moving out to sort of thousands of light years, typically inside our galaxy. Um, but then we'll also look at other uh, galaxies, so then you go up to sort of like 50, 100, 150 million light years. Those are the sort of distances we'd look at.
3: So if someone listening to this wants to start, what would you suggest? So going into the garden with the binoculars or a
6: telescope? Mm. I would say a lot of people, especially at Open Evenings, they say they're thinking about astronomy. What sort of telescope should they start with? And I say don't. Don't rush and buy a, buy, go out and buy a telescope because there's lots and lots of different types of telescopes. And telescopes can be arranged in a whole range of sizes and designs. And they all can be designed to do slightly different things. Some telescopes are good. They're very portable. You, carry, you can almost carry them in a rucksack. Um, other telescopes are probably better for looking at planets or the moon, or there are different other types of telescopes that are probably better at looking for nebula and galaxies. So you shouldn't rush to buy, go out and buy a telescope because you probably won't get a telescope that does it all. You can't price. do that. I normally advise people. I say to get started, a pair of binoculars, and it can be a cheap pair of binoculars for a rend- in a 50 pound price range. That can be handheld comfortably, Uh, but before you do that or at the same time, I also suggest to people is to learn the night sky using your own eyes, the naked eye. Just learn the constellations, learn all the asterisms, and it's very handy because when you do that, you can then navigate around the sky. So for example, tonight I would say to you that Mars is in Taurus, and if you knew where Taurus was, you'd be able to find Mars, and it's quite satisfying knowing your way around the night sky and being able to navigate correctly.
0: Great advice. John, finally, what's the most exciting thing that you've viewed in the sky?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that's a good one, that. Uh, What's the most exciting thing I've viewed? Um, I think there's... I haven't got a sort of a list or a top ten list. I haven't got a thing that springs to mind. But I have got an image that I took approximately four years ago, and it was done using our 24-inch telescope, and I was trying to capture a comet called Borisov. It was an interstellar comet. It was quite famous a few years back. And because I probably wasn't concentrating that night, actually it was about 5 o'clock in the morning I was trying to do it, I wasn't concentrating, Um, I never actually found the comet. But when I finished processing my image, I ended up with a small white smudge of something, and I've got no idea what it is. Um, A friend of mine's looked at it, and he submitted it to the the Minor Planet Centre data, and he says, don't know what it is, it could be an artefact an produced by the optics. But that's my favourite image because I've got an image of something that I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's unidentified. You John,
3: know. thank you very much for joining us. Have a lovely evening and yeah.
6: all the very best. Pleasure. Thank you, thank, to, you, thank you very much.
2: Thank you. The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The P-Pod.
3: We're getting closer to the start of the evening and we're now joined by Sarah, one of the volunteers. Sarah, tell us your involvement with the group. Well, my involvement with this group is
1: that i retired from London and I happened upon this group in the local paper. And they said, well, it's members' evening, come up. So I came up that day. And you know how your life changes from one day to the next? Well, that was one of the changes. And so, having been an art historian, ah who has not gotten physics A-level, <laughs> or indeed maths, I, but there's a lot of us here in the club. And we, it's so wonderful to have the, a shared culture, if you like, the two cultures coming together, the science-based people and the arts-based people. So as I was always in education and communication, you can imagine that's where I feel safest. I really enjoy working with groups in, for example, the 5-inch on the Moon, because I know safe enough about the Moon. And the wow, as Steve described, is is truly wonderful. And so I've worked out a way, when you've got kids there, you say, right, how far have you come? So I've made a list of the width of certain craters on the Moon and how deep their walls are. And then London to Portsmouth and like Clanfield to brighton whatever you know and the distances that might make sense to a family or some of the kids and i say right that crater you're looking at is actually that as wide as from here to london all the way up the a three so i like to bring it home in a way because i believe you can't talk about everything but you can make
0: them excited and curious to find out did it surprise you how easy it was to understand what you were looking at and, and to explain well, to people. What yes, because
1: we have a wonderful system here of A, we get trained on every telescope, and then you become a trainer eventually, possibly some of you, but we also have members' talks and we share our knowledge. So people like me stick safely to history of astronomy talks, you know, ancient Chinese stuff and ancient Egyptian stuff, but it's where we've come from. And so it's all part of the grid picture, and people say they really like the historical stuff as well as the cutting-edge stuff. Yeah. So it's really exciting that we bring our different strands of knowledge together. Yeah, so it's great fun, and organising outreach and public events, the talks in the hall we had last night, 70 people. But I have to say, we sell out faster than Glastonbury. <laughs> well, because we've only got 38
3: tickets. So <laughs> thank you very much for joining us, Not and cool. have a lovely evening. Thank yeah, you. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: That's it for this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us.
3: Thanks also to our guests, Steve Bosley, Steve Broadbent, John Tarling and Sarah, who we also spoke to. Susie Wild, our editor M. Sefton-Smith and the Shine Radio team.
0: So from Joff and I this week. Bye. Bye. Come on, Petersfield, let's build a band. A beat from Dragon Street and a snare from The Square. A bass from Penn's Place, a gliss from Liss. Anna Phil from Bell Hill Ooh, some vocals from us locals and the Dave Gilmore of Tillmore Only Petersfield's Shine Radio plays original music from local musicians. The Local Showcase with Mandy P is sponsored by Brickyard Studios. Petersfield's professional recording studio, rehearsal space and PA hire. The Local Showcase, Thursday nights at 9 and always online at shineradio.uk.